and welcome back to the Scooter Pod, the cheesiest podcast on the internet. That's right, folks. The Oklahoma Sooners are heading to the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando, Florida to take on the Florida State Seminoles. Unreal, crazy, crazy uh, result. I don't think any of us expected the Cheez-It Bowl at this point, but uh, here we are. So that's pretty great. Um, Jameson, first reaction to this. I feel like when we realized this was going to be a really bad OU season, we uh, we didn't we, we were all like, okay, this is the chance for the cheese and bowl. As it got worse, it didn't look like it was gonna happen. And when we got to six and six, dead in the water. But here we are. We're at the cheese and bowl. What we didn't take into account is how powerful cheese it is amongst college football. It's not like we were the second, you know, best Big 12 team left and cheese it got handed Oklahoma to play Florida State. It was Kansas State's going to the Sugar Bowl, TCU's going to the playoffs. You can pit and then T- and then Texas, you know, is going to the Alamo Bowl. Who's who do you want left? And they looked and they saw some 7 and 5 teams like Texas Tech and they're like we would rather have Oklahoma, so they got Oklahoma. And it feels so good to be wanted by Cheez-It because we've loved them since their inception. The TCU-California game, one of the most fun I've had watching a college football game, not OU. I am ecstatic to be a part of this. Yeah, and technically this is more the old corpse of the Russell Athletic slash uh, Camping World Bowl that just has Cheez-It's name on it. So it's actually kind of a good bowl. Um, and it really speaks to the brand power of OU that they put in the worst OU team in 22 years, 23 years, over the best Texas Tech team since the Mike Leach era, Oklahoma State. I believe Baylor was also around there, uh, and shipped them off to bat worst bowls, and we got the Cheez-It Bowl against a pretty solid Florida State team. Ty, what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I think I think we're nailing it. It is another example. We talked about it on our podcast that we recorded earlier today about how the the playoff teams are actually ranked. There's, you know, they determine their four, and then from there, one through four doesn't really matter. They're just matchmaking matchups. And I think what we're seeing now uh, with this Cheez-It Bowl is, is uh, you know, it's they've made, they've made their choice because of brands, like we've talked about with they want that Oklahoma brand in there. And it's it's almost, you know, if you if you don't like it, if it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, if you feel like we cheated some people or something like that as OU, uh, this is how bowls sort of used to be. You know, the individual bowl had some some pull and, and some say in, in who they got and who they could get. And that's kind of what we saw, sort of an old school way of, of uh, things here, at least as far as we can tell publicly. I think it is a, a good opportunity for OU. Uh, I, do I think OU is going to win? I, I don't know. But being able to go play a game down in Orlando uh, this time of year and and against another, like we talked about, the the ideal bowl situation is to match up against another brand that has some sort of brand recognition to it and go down to a place where OU recruits and would like to recruit even more and facing a school that we are potentially sometimes recruiting against. uh, That is conditions set for a, a good situation. You know, what we do with the opportunity we've been given We'll see, but we we certainly there were worse options out there for OU. So this is, I think this is a, a really good opportunity for Oklahoma. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, there's a part of it that 
you know, not only is it a cool bowl trip, you know, you get to go to Orlando, you get to go to Disney, all the stuff that goes along with that, but also it's a good opponent. It's a good test for, um, for 2023. Uh, Florida state is as I don't know how, how close we all have followed Florida state, um, but they're not a bad team. They've only, they only have three losses, all of which happened against uh, ranked opponents in the middle of the season. And, you know, they've been on a tear. They've, they've, kind of had things going around the, the right way under, I believe, Mike Norvell. So um, Florida State is, and we'll go way deeper into Florida State as we get closer to the Cheez-It Bowl, so we have some time to research and really dive in. But um, I think the fact that it is a good team, a, a good opponent, uh, is really enticing, really interesting for sure. It's going to be a really tough game for OU. Both tackles not playing, you know, moving on to the draft. And Florida State's pass rush is absolutely no joke. It already They've already come out, and their best pass rusher, Jared Verse, linebacker, edge rusher, is playing, and that's going to be a problem. We're going to have a true freshman at left tackle and Jacob Sexton, and then Tyler Guyton on the other side. We are going to dive into all of the details about Florida State, but this is no walk in the park. I think we saw Action Network um, post a projected line of minus one. No bookmakers have had out um, real ones yet, but minus one's pretty steep for a six and six team versus a team that's coming in pretty close to full strength in Florida state. Yeah. And it's, that's one thing that's so tricky is it's hard to really get a grasp of this game without the opt outs. Obviously there are some early ones, uh, Eric gray, not playing neither are uh, Wanya Morris or Anton Harrison for OU. Uh, those are just the initial ones that Brent Venables has noted, which I think that's fair. You know, it's um, it's the NFL draft and, you know, you don't want to get hurt in the cheese it bolt. That ultimately doesn't matter all that much. <laughs> and that I think we, again, I got hurt in the cheese it bolt into my career. I lost millions of dollars from it. I tore my ACL, but I got, but I got some nice cheese it swag. Uh, got to stay in the cheese it sweet, baby. The cheesiest sweet. I, I'm just saying, that. but no, it's um, yeah, that's that's obviously going to be um a bit of a struggle. But as we've been saying for time and time again, this the bowl's about preparation for the future. It's about those extra practices, and it's about everything that comes with it. It doesn't. No one's going to be like, oh, we lost the cheese at bowl season over. We we're six and six. Um. But uh, it, it is a chance to really get some momentum and really kind of build that that build that up. And the time I ask, like, would you rather have played a weaker team in a worse location, or would you rather play Florida State, like a, a, a very solid team? Does it do more to go against better competition, or to just beat the crap out of I don't know, let's say Air Force? It, so if I if I can be frank. And this is not a bit. I know I've threatened that I will not say a single positive thing about this Oklahoma team again until they win a conference championship. I will do my best to hold myself to that. That doesn't mean I have to be mean, though, right? I can just be even. I can just be, you know, uh, neutral, uh, which is the stance that I will take. But I, I think, to be frank, most likely OU is going to lose this game, right? If we can we can peel back. You, you guys don't have to agree. This is my opinion. But most likely OU is going to lose. So best case scenario is we we load up those excuses. I mean, not a hedge, but if we go and get embarrassed against some like terrible team, uh, it's going to look bad, bad. You know, we, we've just spent the entire season getting kicked while we're down by all these people that have all this pent up anger against the Oklahoma brand. 
if we're going into and, and facing a team that is at nine wins, tremendous motivation to get to 10 wins. That's a big mark on someone's schedule. They've already announced that most of their people are playing. It means a lot to them. It's in their home state. You know, we can line up all these hedges that, that sort of, I don't want to say, I don't want to say we should be doing that because I don't think we should. I think we should be going out trying to win this game. And I think it is within reach to win this game, even with, with some key people out. But I, I think best case scenario always is get those highlight reels against the other brands, go to places that are going to be cool to the players, go to places where the weather is going to permit, like you said, just more practices. You know, hopefully we have a bunch of opt-outs and everything else. Hopefully we're looking forward and we're investing in these practicing uh, in this practice time and in this game time and guys who can learn from it and help us down the road and things like that. So I, I think that this is realistically, I mean, I think having gone six and six in the way our season's gone in terms of bowl placement, how competitive we're going to be in this is certainly a question, but uh, the bowl placement could not have gone any better. And I don't, I would not entertain personally any argument for, Oh, I'd rather have a worse team that we could maybe beat or a worse bowl game or something. If people want to say, oh, I would have rather had a game that's drivable distance for OU fans, I will absolutely buy into that. You know, take take some terrible game that's in Dallas or somewhere drivable in Texas or Louisiana or Memphis or something. I would wholeheartedly support that, you know, for the fan experience. That's what it's all about. But yeah, I don't I don't have any qualms with with this game. Jameson, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's what we saw last year in the postseason during a time we were also very broken for different reasons. How crucial a quote-unquote meaningless game can actually help a team in terms of momentum. Obviously, we had a lot of external factors like Bob Stoops joining the program that kind of helped bring the morale back up. But coming out and kind of ending this poor season on a positive note would be an extremely positive thing for us moving towards into this offseason it seems like our recruiting is standing strong for the most part obviously a lot of assumptions are going into a very pivotal month pivotal month of december with early signing day uh but having a win versus florida state a big brand that has a lot of money around it and we've done it in the past whenever we've played these kind of games like versus florida and oregon um would be huge for us we need that the great part about good leaders is they can take things that might not mean as much to other people on the surface but if brim venables can turn this win if we were to win this game into a positive rallying call for people to try and work really hard this offseason i think that would be a huge deal for them yeah no no doubt if if, and we've seen you know bowls you know that you know, as you'll say, oh, they don't matter, whatever. But you'll see some programs win a ball game, and there is momentum. That was the case with Oklahoma last year. Beat 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 Oregon, have a little bit of momentum going, and you know, even though it didn't translate to on field success, it just it gives you good vibes about the program uh, into uh, the spring and summer months. So I think that's pretty good, um, especially beating a team like Florida State, who is a little bit outside of our realm, but you know, it, it, they're that is a team you can beat. We it kind of reminds me of the situation we had in the Holiday Bowl in 2006. Uh, played it like a sixth rank or ranked Oregon team when we went like seven and five, weren't very good, but we went or turned around, we beat them, and that was something that really helped establish uh, the team for the next year. So it's it's not what we want. You don't you don't start a football season wanting the cheese at bull, 
but there's a lot of good that can come out of it. So hopefully, hopefully things work. Uh, it's going to be a very, very green team. Uh, but um, yes, it is I, so I, tumultuous right now. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. The easy payouts, the same game parlays, player props. You know how much I love my player props. All of them just so great. Easiest sportsbook to use by far. And it's getting even better. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. So check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sports app, place a same game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more you legs you add, the bigger the boost and the bigger your shot to win big. Look, with rivalry week going on in college football, big Thanksgiving Day games, it is just the perfect time to dive into your favorite sporting event. I've been loving it. Hell, put a little bit on the World Cup. It's great. This is the best time to be betting. I am loving it. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Now, back to the Schooner Pod. Yeah, I mean, we will talk more about the bowl later. But I kind of transition more into portal talk and just the future of this OU football program because we're seeing a lot of young guys hit the portal. I think this whole Nick Evers is probably hitting people the hardest. Will it have the biggest impact on our future team? Probably not. But seeing guys like him, a true freshman, hit the portal is just kind of making you realize we really need to get guys coming back to OU from the portal. I think Alton Tarber leaving as a true freshman defensive lineman is a huge deal. We need defensive linemen from this portal, like bad. And while we're seeing a lot of our guys go out there into the portal right now, and we're at a net negative right now, I guarantee you that this OU football staff is just going to scour the portal this offseason. We're going to have guys like CJ Colton, Jonah Laulu, um, you know, Jeffrey Johnson's contribute to our future team. Those people just got to materialize. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's some back channel talk too of these really good players that haven't hit the portal yet. Oh, you telling them that they have a spot on our roster. Yeah, no, I mean it. Um, it's a, it's a brand new world when you have a guy who, you know, in Nick Evers, who, you know, he's a freshman uh, and instantly he's out, you know, it, I, I guess he wanted a competitive situation elsewhere. Didn't feel like he had that at OU and, I, I mean, that's that's the way of the portal. If kids don't feel like they get a shot freshman year, they can immediately jump. And it's frustrating, but, you know, portal giveth, portal taketh. There there will be guys on the market where, oh, you can get that want to be in here, want to compete, and that's just kind of how it is. But um, that, honestly, I, I I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I'm yeah, it doesn't matter. He's well, let's do it because I think this is a no, big I have, thing. I have some thoughts. Yeah, yeah, so, I want to okay, dive. No, in. Okay. I want to dive into the Nick Evers conversation because there's some let's Twitter people like like that big honey guy, big honey sixty nine on Twitter. Oh no, at Nick Evers' mom, he can just 
seriously just suspend his Twitter account for the rest of the time. He's the type Adding, of people that I I was legitimately uh, I've got so many bad things to say about OU Twitter, but yes, please you and Ty go at it because I've got my thoughts too. I, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Yeah, no, I here's my thing. One, don't tweet at recruits or like not players, moms, players, families. That's a just don't don't. That's that's just kind of such a gross, weird situation uh, because it doesn't matter. At the same time, I also kind of think that Evers transferring that quick was um, a little frustrating uh, because look, if the if the if the coaches didn't think he was ready, he's not ready. Um, and really, the, the only chance he would have gotten a truly really would have had a qualm with is uh, putting him over Bevel in the OU Texas game or getting some time in the TCU, but like. I, I don't think that's merit that that merits a transfer. The the, the lack of patience is uh, unfortunate, and I, I think I think some 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 kids are about to get burnt. Um, and you know, leaving your freshman year, what, what did you expect as a true freshman coming to OU? What, mm-hmm. frankly, what did you expect? Uh, it, it it's going to be a thing where it takes time, but you know, you're not entitled to playing quarterback at OU as a freshman, a true freshman. Uh, so I it just, it, it's baffling to me. I, I don't know what he thought he was signing up for because are you, are was... you on, are you on Bobby's side, Ty, or are you going to be on no, my side? Not I'm, at all. I'm about to play the, Oh man, it's going to be two. No, and I think, coming up. But I, I understand. I'm not against Bobby. I'm just not on his side. I, I understand where Bobby's coming from. And I understand the, the frustration with people you know don't t- again don't don't be tweeting uh at all don't have a twitter i've said this before elon took it over it's not political right it's just a terrible it's true <laughs> uh, i've been saying this for years um but don't yeah don't be attacking people's you know families and or the people that are choosing to leave i think these people are are rightfully very upset but they're attacking the not to not to pander to Jameson specifically, but they're attacking the the symptom and, and not the cause. I think Evers choosing to enter the portal in the timing, I'm not reading that as, oh, I'm upset that I didn't get playtime my freshman year. I'm reading that as the regular season's over. This is when all the people are moving around. He's looking around the locker room, hearing the conversations and going, oh my God, is OU really about to stick with this bum at quarterback again next year? Like, are we <laughs> oh going to settle for... No, that was but... a bit of a joke. That was a bit of a joke. But I, <laughs> it, reading into it, it sure sounds to me like Dylan Gabriel is going to be OU's starting quarterback next year. And yeah. he's seeing that and he's going, I'm out of here. I'm going to go get somewhere. Because uh, if he was going to transfer before, I don't know why he wouldn't have uh, announced that earlier. Obviously, there are some reasons to wait but i i'm sure reading this as a next year thing and that that personally upsets me too because i don't think that sticking with dylan gabriel is the right decision i mean i've been very outspoken about how i feel about him as a quarterback but it's it's about developing your potential i mean i invest the time invest the play time invest the development in a guy who has potential and years with the program i mean it's it, 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 there's all sorts of arguments about red shirts and whether or not he was ready this year. I'm reading it as a, he looked at what was going to occur next year and I don't blame him for leaving. And I, I think there are some maybe bad decisions that are being made because of relationships or, you know, biases or whatever else in that locker room. And I, it worries me that we're developing sort of a complacent system. If we're again, there's a lot of assumptions in this, right? I'm jumping to a lot of assumptions, but assuming Dylan Gabriel will be our quarterback next year. I think that is a 
terrible decision because I think we've seen more or less his ceiling. He's not as bad as I make him out to be when I do my little bits, but I don't think he's the guy that we need. And I would rather deal with a slight slump in quarterback play if it's going to be someone that truly at least has the potential to develop uh, than deal with just being okay with mediocrity. Mm-hmm. I just have Bobby. My here's my thing is what did he nothing about the situation entering Oklahoma has changed. He knew it was going to be Dylan Gabriel's team. And at the end of that, Gabriel had another year probably. And not only that, not only that, but he knew that Jackson Arnold was coming in. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it, that's my thing is what did, what did he expect? Like this, what, this what played has out changed? Exactly. What has what changed? Has changed? Yeah. I, I think so much has changed. I think that's probably one of the easiest questions to answer. I think when you you look at Nick Evers, obviously it hurts. And I see your argument, Bobby. But if you're wondering why Nick Evers is transferring, let's not point to Nick Evers. Let's not point to all those other things like OU fans want to do. Everyone's pointing their finger outwards. Turn that around. Point it to you. Point it to the coaching staff. Point it to OU's program as a whole. I think, one, the situation wherever is should Davis Bevel play or Nick Evers, even if Nick Evers wasn't a conversation, I think the fans stirring up this whole Nick Evers needs to start, Nick Evers needs to play, this true freshman has barely gotten enough time to prepare, needs to play over and over and over, gets into a true freshman's head. This guy just came out of high school where he was the man. He was the man. He's ready to play. He might not be ready to play college football, but in his head he thinks he is. And he probably felt disrespected that he went through all of that and he's not going to get the nod to go out there and give his chance to play. What did I come to OU for? If they're going to play Davis Bevel over me and all the fans are clamoring for me and we go and put up that stinker, how am I going to have any kind of trust in the rest of my years at Oklahoma whenever I have a five-star, one of the guys who keeps rising up the ranks and keeps on playing amazing and Jackson Arnold behind me? What do I have here? And it's probably not a lot. And so I, I don't I don't think we have to blame him at all. I think he made the right move. He's getting off the ship at the right time. Go play another year at another program. And even if you don't start then, you know, go to a team that has a senior um, where you will be that guy guaranteed with no one chipping out your ankles behind you in a brand new system where you don't have that monkey on your back and all of that baggage that we created when Dylan Gabriel went down. I, okay, that's fair. Um, my my thing is, I, I I think all the way across the board, we knew he wasn't going to really no compete for wrong that backup. wrong. You think that at the beginning of the season, but OU fans, absolutely not. How many questions? Okay, there's a difference between the Twitter, how many message boards, how many threads do we see of Nick Evers this, Nick Evers that, trying to push him into the limelight. That is a true freshman seeing that, saying like, yes, I want to get in there. And it tarnished him. He's spoiled. We opened the jar too early on him. And I'm sorry, his expiration date is creeping up. Uh, Okay, I see what you're getting at. But at the same time, you you, and it's frustrating because this shouldn't be how it goes. But the OU Twitter world is not real life. They are not the real decision makers here at all. They do not, they're, they're not, it's not a coaching staff by Twitter committee, by Twitter poll. He was never, he was never going to get in. And, and the people who really said that he was, were delusional. I, I have been against Evers in terms Amen. of him starting now the entire season. I have pretty much, you can go back and look at the record. 
I, I maybe I floated it as like, oh well, maybe if Devil's back. I'm pretty sure but, I think we can. But he find is. But he was. I think was of, he of was trying to get Nick Evers because actually, actually, I catch that. I do remember we did a little round robin of saying who should start this game if Dylan Gabriel can't play. Whenever Dylan Gabriel ended up playing, and I'm pretty sure um, I was the only one to say Davis Bevel, and y'all both said Nick Evers. I'm pretty sure I said Booty. Just knowing me, I, okay, I might maybe, have said booty. Maybe it might, maybe I kind of feel like booty. I said booty. It, it, it might have been booty, but I think Evers was name-dropped a little bit. We, we, we talked about him, but my thing was well, he yeah, was always we, too young and not physically there. We have a there. podcast. We, we're obligated to talk about all the options. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. but, but what, I'm say, what I'm saying is, you know, obviously he's very malleable as a young kid. And all of this really hurt his, you know, his confidence, I'm sure. Whenever they want to play him in the Texas game, but they throw him in at the very end of the fourth quarter and let him throw one throw in the dirt and they don't give him anything to go with because Levy's play calling was extremely conservative that game. It, it just completely changes his confidence. If he stays in the wing, like you said, if he didn't have this situation and Dylan Gabriel would have been QB1 throughout the season without a concussion, I understand if he hits the portal, I'd be like, what's going on here? Like this dude just needs to just sit and wait for his turn. It's just there is too much going along, and I think he just needs a clean slate where he can go somewhere else where he doesn't have this monkey on his back. Yeah, and I, 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 I get it. I'm with you. I, I think it's frustrating that that is as much of it has that that might have as much of an impact as it does, uh, because it shouldn't. It shouldn't. You know, I, I think I think, and it's easy for me to say I'm not 18 years old and I'm not you know a, a star athlete with a bunch of you know, dudes tweeting at me the whole time that I should should be playing. I I, I imagine that gets, he's like a good said, gets kid. Head. He's got a good he head on his too. I'm not saying, and I'm not trying to trash him or say he's a bad kid. It's just it, it's frustrating because it's like, well, yeah, of course. Like this is what this is what you kind of signed up for. But you know, I I think you do have a good point because I think he will do better somewhere else. Just like the bevy of a lot of OU backups who you know didn't make it in the Lincoln Riley system. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I think for me, it's it's a personal frustration that there's it, it's impossible to keep depth in a quarterback room uh, in the year 2022 because of the portal, and you just can't, you know, you can't really put up, can't do that because you know I, I think Av, as people have said in the comments, if you put them out there to get killed against Texas, what does that do for your confidence? It, it, there's really just a no win situation with handling him, and. It's it's not his fault. It's just, you know, you can't. I don't know. You can't just be a guy, you know, that that is a second, third string, or because you can just leave if you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially I as mean, a guy with his talent. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Hey, hey, kind of a coincidence. Kind of suspicious that he enters the portal right when Deion Sanders announces. He's going to Colorado. Deion uh, Sanders' but, kid is going to be that quarterback. He doesn't want to sit behind yeah. him. Uh, Deion, he, but, uh, Deion has already said that. Like, like I believe, I believe he was. He uh, said, I to, take, "Yeah." In his first Colorado thing, he's like, "It's like son, stand up." This kid stands up. He's like, "This is your quarterback now." Just no, just immediately. Just maybe, maybe still a more competitive quarterback situation than what's at at OU currently, but. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, ultimately, you know, might be a might be a coaching thing, not just in terms of coaches making the right decisions. But a, I've I had this put to me one time and it was very profound. And I will now pass this profound knowledge on to you all. 
the listeners. Thank you. Uh, ultimately, oh, and me. sometimes, well, it's not, it's it. Well, Jameson as well. He is, he's listening. <laughs> um, but ultimately sometimes leadership is just gaslighting. Sometimes you just haven't, you know, ultimately you just got to, you're there to get the job done. Sometimes maybe you got to gaslight the people you're in charge of to uh, get them to do what they need to do. Maybe our coaches didn't do a good enough job. I don't know. I don't want to say lying, but maybe presenting the truth in a different way to him, making him think that he could play or, or different things like that. I, I really think that with the timing of his announcement, it was a, he very clearly saw what was going to be occurring next year and how competitive things were going to be in the off season. And I would have a completely different stance on him. I understand you guys are going to jump on me. Oh, this is such a Gunner take tie, but I would have a completely different stance on him transferring. If anything that we were doing at quarterback above him on the depth chart was working and it's not, it's, it's objective. I understand Dylan Gabriel had the best game of his OU career. He was really, really good in the last, in the Texas tech game. I will give him that, but he was the newcomer of the year in the big that's 12. A, that is a, that is such a bullshit statistic. Pardon my, my non-advertiser friendly French, but this is his fourth <laughs> year of playing at a D1 school. He is not a newcomer. He's the offensive newcomer in the big 12. No, he's not. I can name five other guys. If you gave me like 20 minutes to do my research, uh, they were better offensively. And this is their first, that's such a goofy statistic uh, or such a goofy award. It's like a JD power number one consumers happiest with their seatbelts <laughs> award or some oh God. Um, but it's it's not working, right? It's even if it, even if you want to say, "Oh, Ty, he's so much better than you give him credit for." That's fine. Guess what? We're not doing winning games. We are Does winning games defense? at the same rate that I am picking it's... spreads on the weekend spread. It's not good. <laughs> if I were getting paid oh what God. Dylan Gabriel was making and had the time to do what he's doing, I believe that I would at least be above five hundred. So. I, I would feel different because also hey, look at Georgia, look at all of these Bama national championship winning teams. Stetson Bennett is not winning them a championship. You he's know, uh, what's his name? Though. Yeah, well, yeah because good. he's on the best team in the nation. Are you kidding me? Tom Brady looked amazing the whole time he was on the Patriots. So I just, yeah, I don't have any, I got too deep into the, the thing and then called Tom Brady a system quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> you got too deep in the, in the Dylan Gabriel cycle. Oh my God. But when it goes on and wins it yeah. in a different system. That was mostly, that's, that's that was mostly argument. a bit. Yeah. That was mostly a bit and a joke. And then also mostly serious. It's up to you guys to interpret what parts were with. No, I mean, obviously, obviously the Dylan Gabriel thing, he has rooms for improvement and he had a lot of negatives, but he was not the biggest negative of this football team. So we will not make that argument for this podcast because I'm sure if we ever need a day where we could try to find 30 minutes of content, we can just argue with Ty about if Dylan Gabriel was the problem or not, because I'm sure he'll have the same opinion here in a couple months, no matter what happens here oh, yeah. uh, in about three or so weeks, three and a half weeks. Yeah, and he might I mean he might leave. That's part of it. So that would He be did fun. give kind of a cryptic answer to that. <laughs> yeah, Cuz whenever they asked God, him, so. and he says we'll we'll approach that later. And I mean that's for some guy who's got another year and is just transferred into this program, usually that's kind of like a no-brainer. You know, yes, I'm going to be with this team and I and he wants to be a leader, right? Another thing if he claims to be this big leader that took everyone else on the retreats this offseason and, and is the voice in the locker room but says that kind of thing, 
I mean, is is it is he really thinking about the NFL draft? That'd be the only thing that's respectable. I mean, I I wouldn't if I was him. I absolutely wouldn't. You're at a team like OU, and the way he played this season, yes, he did put up some numbers, but you can't tell me you can't do that again next season with a team that's got a bigger, better record, hopefully, than 666, and can go out and make some national attention on yourself. I just don't see any way, shape, or form in the age of the NIL why if you're a quarterback at Oklahoma, you would leave right now. No, I'm with you. I don't think it makes any sense at all. Because I don't think he would be drafted very high, if at all. Um, I, I, it's, wh- it's why not, would you want time. a five foot ten, five eleven quarterback who has been turnover prone, um, has gotten hurt this season? I, I just, ooh, I, I don't see what teams looking for a guy like that. This is big yeah, brain move. A... Bob Stoops, Bob Stoops, try to get him to the Renegades. Is my my bad. Oh my god, they already had their draft. <laughs> well, he would have I, to be a very I, highly sought after free agent. I don't know how that would even work. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. So we spent we we've spent a good amount of time on on Evers. Is there anyone else who will not be playing? I guess we said we'll talk about opt outs later. But portal wise, I guess keeping it on the portal thing. Is there anyone else who is portaling their way potentially off? Because you know you can you can pull yourself from the portal at at any time. I guess is is my understanding. So is there anybody else we should be talking about uh, that is portaling? Theo Weiss made it official, um, mm-hmm. which we, we had been kind of talking about for a while that he was like, this this guy's going to get portaled. Um, but he made it official uh, this week. Other than that, it doesn't seem like we have any portals. I know there are probably some candidates out there, Jameson. They're, what, what they're all backups. Let me, let me just go down the list of who we've seen so far head into the portal. So we have Clayton Smith, you know, promising edge from Texas, like high-end four-star, but just never seemed to get it. Kevontae Henry another defensive lineman, young guy. Jordan Mukes leaving sucks. Just straight up sucks. He wasn't getting much play at the end of the season, but that man is an athlete, an absolute athlete that was still getting a hold of the game of football. And having him leave this early in his career is a gut punch to OU, and I guarantee OU was trying hard to keep him. Another guy, Josh Eaton. I I think he was a guy that we would have liked to have along with Kendall um, Dennis. Kendall Dennis probably more so. Kendall Dennis showed, showed some things in a little – Limited time that he was out there. He's a ball hawk. He can get interceptions. Josh Eaton had some length. You know, he redshirted this year. Um, it's, a, it's a shame to see them go. Um, but Alton Tarber, another guy that we really miss. I, miss, I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the podcast, defensive lineman, big guy. But Bryson Washington, I'm sure, probably was told that he can probably look elsewhere. He just recently entered the portal yesterday and then Bray Walker backup guard. It's probably been about time for him that he can get to go because when you're a five-star prospect out of Oklahoma and you don't start four years at OU, it's probably best you take your one last year of eligibility elsewhere and see if you can go make it with that much size and that much athleticism. Hopefully you can get somewhere and put your name on tape for NFL draft draft scouts because it wasn't going to happen at OU. But, I mean, assumption-wise, Bobby, I mean, I don't think we're looking at any big names that we haven't heard yet that are going to hit the portal, um, to be completely honest with you. I mean, if if there are big names, we don't know about them. I think that the secondary will continue to get hit because we did not rotate many secondary guys um, that I think we should have throughout the year. Our secondary played very poorly, and there are some guys that I'm like, where, why am I not seeing these guys? 
I think, you know, Bryson Washington, Kendall Dennis, Exhibit A. Like, why didn't we see more of them whenever we were struggling so much in that secondary? So I wouldn't be surprised to continue to see a little bit more because it seems like a couple are trickling in every single day. Yeah, it's uh, it's they're they're they'll, they'll def- they will definitely be more guys. This is not this is not the beginning or the end. Um, it's actually it's kind of like right in the middle. That's the uh, definition of that. But no, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Obviously. You know, last year we saw several guys wait until after the ball game to portal. So there's a lot, there's a lot left to it. But um, in terms of guys coming in, uh, obviously we can't probably give exact names. But um, what are positions that you think uh, Venables is really going to start hawking at? Because I, I, I think the biggest three, it, it has to be O line, D line, wide receivers, right? I think I think you can push O-line to number four. I think you put D-line number one because our pass rush, embarrassing. We already talked about that. Absolutely embarrassing. Have none. I want guys on the outside. And we're going to need some guys on the inside too. Losing Jalen Redman, one of the few guys that we actually had getting a pass rush from the inside, leaving. So yes, defensive line, number one to me. Number Absolutely. two, I think wide receiver, maybe. Because I think Marvin Mims is still iffy if he's coming back, to tell you the truth. I know. I know it's crazy. Surprising. This, it was a, this was a type of guy that was getting first-round draft grades in some mock drafts in the preseason, and he's dropped a lot from the way he's played. And to be honest with you, is it best for him to stay? Is it best for him to leave or go somewhere else? So, I mean, I'm still thinking the favorites for him to stay, but it's not guaranteed. And I, I think to fill Theo Weiss's spot, we're probably going to, and then Drake Stoops spot, probably. Um, we're going to need some wide receivers. The number three, I think, is um, the defensive back room. I think we've got some good players there, um, but I will need some depth. We need some, very much need some depth after this processing that Brent Venables is going through right now of taking away kind of the guys that were from the old scheme um, of this speed D and bringing in smarter IQ guys that can play Brent Venables' zone scheme defense. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Ty, any uh, any positions you would like to see from the portal? Yeah, so all all joking, all bits aside, I, I don't really think we're in that bad of a position when it comes to the the offense. Obviously, you know, things could could develop next year and we could see, oh my goodness, yeah, we're in way worse of a position uh, than we thought. I've personally I've never had a cold take though, so I don't expect that to that to come true, but yeah, D line is, is gotta be number one for me as well, but just anything defense. I, personally, if, if I could just get in Brent Venable's ear and say, Hey, let's, let's just let whatever happens on offense next year happen. Let's lock down and really start to build this, this defensive bedrock that's going to form our team going forward. Because it, my personal concern is that we don't have that sense of urgency with building a team. And it's, it's sort of like we talked about earlier in the year when you get down to say you're, you're losing by seven or you're losing by 10 and you have the ball and there's eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. You should probably be playing like there's a little bit less time. You should have that sense of urgency already. Uh, and I think that we are in a, a time right now where we really need to have that sense of urgency, especially on the defense, recruiting hard, trying to flip people, trying to get people to, to transfer in here. So I know I'm going kind of wide left and right on, on the prompt that we've been given or you've, you've given me here, but I really, I think defensively has got to be the focus starting out that D line. I mean, it, 
it's it's so cliche to say, but that is the that is the foundation. That is where everything else you know happens from from the defense. You know, you can if you're really pro defensive line, you can say the D line is it's your first line of defense. Uh, pun intended, because everything is a D line thing. You know, if if you're if the opponent is running, that's on the D line to stop, and then everyone else is just there to back them up. If they're throwing, the D line's there to sack them and to ruin that play. And and I personally view the the backs and everyone else is just sort of your insurance plan for if you can't get to the quarterback. So that's a little bit of a stretch, but uh, D line has got to be the the main main one. And then I think from there, I'd, I'd start to look at backs maybe. If we're just specifically talking about the portal, I understand people have a lot of criticisms and a lot of worries about the development of our, our linebackers and our linebacker depth and situation next year. But I really think I think if you can get away in college with having fairly lackluster linebackers, not saying ours are, but you can get away with having some lackluster linebackers if you have just a solid D line and corners that just don't let people get open. Yeah. Uh, I'd say it's a little bit different in the NFL, but I yeah, D line, D line, D line, D line. Can't say it enough. Yeah especially in Brent's system, you know, that D line is absolutely the most important piece of uh, playing a zone. So um, yeah, let's move on to uh, some other stuff that OU has to figure out um, wide receiver coach. Uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe getting Ted roof out of there. I don't know. Jameson, what do you think? Uh, obviously let, let's start with the wide receivers um, and specifically who should lead them. Obviously there's been some rumors here and there about, uh, Malcolm Kelly trying to poach him from TCU, bring him home. Uh, but there there have been some other ones uh, along the way as well. What have you, what have you heard, and who would you like? To be honest with you, I think we probably can give up on Malcolm Kelly. Maybe there might be a big push, a big money push from the board at the end of it. But it seems like our time for Malcolm Kelly was last year, and we didn't get him then. And we tried to get him, obviously, whenever Gundy had his mishap. Um, here at the last second before the season, and uh, it was too late. He was stuck to TCU, and ended up being an absolute be- blessing for Malcolm Kelly. Look what he's done with Quentin Johnson. Quentin Johnson might be the first picked wide receiver in this coming draft. The way he's been playing, Absolutely. obviously, has not been the healthiest, and his conditioning hasn't been the best. But with um, Jackson Smith and Jigba not being healthy throughout this whole season for Ohio State. Quentin Johnston, his stock has moved up and having guys like him and developing in the way he can catch the ball to the high point, um, a guy Malcolm Kelly can really teach a lot to. Um, that's going to look very good on him as a coach. So his stock's getting higher and higher. I just don't think we can get him. Rashad Samples has been the other name that all the OU fans are talking about, and I don't blame him. He's currently the running back coach at the Los Angeles Rams, LOL. The dude has got like the worst running back room in all of the <laughs> NFL. An absolute laughing stock of a running back room in Los Angeles. Honestly, a laughing stock of an offense. Good for them this today. They've done somewhat, you know, better. But Matthew Stafford having a spinal con- cord contusion and their running backs not want to play for them anymore. Like it's been a disaster. So he might not be the developer at wide receiver that you might see you know, my three-star wide receiver come in and he's going to make them better technically because he was a former wide receiver, but he doesn't have that coaching experience to coach wide receivers. But man, can he recruit? He could get those five-star guys in the Texas area that are going to Texas A&M in Texas that are absolute just mo- like an Evan Stewart. He would he would be in our recruiting class if Rashad Samples was a wide receiver coach. And 
you got to think about it. Would you take the hit on your wide receivers being a little bit underdeveloped um, to get guys that don't need as much development because they're already so skilled? It's kind of a slippery slope. Kind of scares me a little bit. Um, so I don't know if I'm in love with the type of guy like that. Yeah, no, I, I know it's tricky. Um, and I don't want another Roy Manning yeah. situation where the guy's just coaching something he's never done before. Yeah, that, I mean, I, and to be fair, at least Samples has played wide receiver. Uh, sure. So there is that it, at Oklahoma State, of all places, by the way. Um, so it, it, it's, a, it's a tricky thing. And I, I mean, hell, Gundy uh, didn't play wide receiver and he was a good recruiter, apparently. Um, so there's that. It would really be. More I just of a don't want. I just don't want him to be his first time teaching wide receivers how to play at the University of Oklahoma. Go somewhere else and do that for a couple of years. Then we can see you're good, and then we'll take you. He's only had experience with running backs and being a program recruiter. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's it's tricky, and I, you know, you really hope they get someone good. And you know, like you said, last year was was kind of the time for Kelly, but Gundy was there, and it's just unfortunate timing because Kelly would be, would have been great. But at this point you have to kind of make do with what you have. And I don't really know wide receiver coach wise, who else would be a good fit. Uh, Cause it seems like those two names keep coming up, but I'm not really super hand up, not well versed in the world of wide receiver coaches. Uh, don't know the best candidates out there. Um, I think Daryl Wyatt from Boston College was another name that I saw circulating around this the schooner fear. Is isn't is he have he has an OU connection? Did he play at OU? Is is that uh, what the connection is? I am gonna have to Daniel look Wyatt? that up. What was his Daryl name? Wyatt. Daryl Wyatt. Maybe not. Um, um, maybe I'm I'm lying, but you know that was another name that I had written down in my notes that people were talking about as a possible wide receiver, but. And to be honest with you, it's not looking like it's there's a sexy option like Malcolm Kelly on the table right now. Yeah, Daryl Wyatt was, uh, if I believe this is the same one, he was uh, the passing game coordinator in 2005 and was wide receiver coach at OU from 2002 to 2004. If that's well, the same one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds, that sounds right. So he was uh, his receiver coach during the, you know, that kind of uh well hey the back to back national championship appearance years so yeah there we go. yeah all right okay and let's move on to Le- uh, like uh let's move on to Levy oh Ty, to Levy uh, oh to Levy not Levy not Levy not Levy not Levy and Ty Ty do you Ty. want to replace Levy <laughs> no yeah no, I should no. replace replace everyone at this point uh, I do have a quick note yeah, on, on to, receivers court. yeah go for it Ty um, sorry and it's it's sort of a it, while Bobby composes his thoughts. I personally am in the anti Malcolm Kelly camp. Uh, and, and my take on that is has nothing to do with how great of a job he's done, how great of an OU player he was, how, how important he is to OU history and, and the culture of any program that he's in. But I would really like for us uh, to really start to, to spread out our, I mean, we have a head coach who spent a lot of his career at Oklahoma. We have an offensive coordinator who has, ties already to Oklahoma it's we and there's nothing wrong with that but I would really like to start to get people because we have a lot of people that have resumes that are full of OU full of Texas schools full of like Malcolm Kelly you know at TCU right now the other couple guys uh, that we mentioned you know Daryl Wyatt uh, spent a lot of time at Texas specifically spent a lot of time at at other um, 
Texas schools, I believe, and then also OU. And it's just, that's great. But I, I would like for us to, you know, spread out some of those resumes, you know, maybe someone that only ever has experience in, in Florida or California or one of those other recruiting hotbeds, because I feel like, you know, if you can make your argument, what do we want out of a WR coach specifically? Is he going to be a recruiting guy first? And then, you know, like the PE teacher that also has to teach like state history, is he also just going to be pretending to, de- <laughs> to develop people, but he's actually not doing anything? Um or do we want someone that's there to develop people but suffers a little bit in in recruiting? Personally, I would lean more towards the recruiter side just with wide receivers specifically. Not that that's not a hard thing that requires a lot of development, but I, I would really like to see someone whose resume uh, maybe didn't read Oklahoma or, or somewhere in Texas on it. You know, Someone that has a good resume, and it would be hard to beat Malcolm Kelly's resume, certainly, but I th- like we said, he, he might be a bit of a moonshot at this point, but I think someone who has a resume that doesn't read Oklahoma on it could potentially be a good ad, just looking at it from the recruiting standpoint, uh, to have some sort of network from somewhere else outside of, uh, you know, just the local area. Because I, I would worry that, you know, maybe we're starting to struggle to, to recruit and, and connect to people uh, if, if we really start to just have a coaching staff and a recruiting staff that is all just North Texas, Austin, Oklahoma specific just to sort of diversify it out a bit. I, I get that. I think that's fair. But let's talk about Roof. Let's talk about Roof. Yes. What do we think? Uh, I, do we need more than just a placeholder guy that just mm-hmm. is essentially a glorified defensive analyst, Jameson? Yeah, I, I think we do. I think Brent Venable's got a little in over his head. He's the type of guy that wants to do everything. He wants to do it perfect. And if he isn't doing it perfect, he's going to keep on trying and keep on talking until he makes it perfect. But sometimes whenever you keep on trying and you keep on talking, you're in a circle and you're stuck. And I feel like Brim Venables kind of was there, honestly. Um, so, yes, Ted Roof, there is a chance that he could leave. The talk is if he were to leave the defensive coordinator position, he would still stay on staff as an analyst in some sort. It wouldn't even be – kind of like a bad blood situation where he's fired and gone. Um, But we would need somebody, I think, in my opinion, like a Ted Roof that could do a better job than Ted Roof, Um, could go out there and put out his own defense and make the calls, not put that all on Brent Venable's shoulders. Let him be a head coach. And I think having someone with head coaching experience in that position next to um, Venables, who's coming in, obviously showing some growing pains, as a leader is a huge deal. Having someone you can confide in who's had tough experiences like that. And I, there's a lot of names that keeps getting thrown across. And I think my favorite one that I saw on the board, I saw so far is Bronco Mendenhall, ex Virginia wow. coach in BYU. I don't know. He's been out of the game for, you know, a year now, but a guy like that, who's been around town, who's had some clout in the past, like that name carries weight. He's got good defensive schemes. Um, has been a head coach and can stand by, you know, a Brent Venables. Um, there's like, you know, Jim Leonard, Ryan Walters, or other names that are getting thrown around. A couple of those are like, you know, younger guys that have never been head coach before. Who's got, you know, you if you're looking for a more um, up-and-coming kind of guy. But I think the idea, what we were going with with Ted Roof, was a very good idea. I just don't know how much he has in his repertoire to create a different defense um, than what Brent Venables could do. We want something similar to Brent Venables' mindset, but not too different to where we can keep his scheme and kind of use his repertoire. 
Mendenhall would be a really interesting person to have in, in the building, probably in my mind, a little bit more as an analyst, uh, you know, in the same way that, you know, Nick Saban holds his, you know, school for, uh, you know, fired head coaches who can't coach good and want to coach better. Uh, that usually works. But, you know, Mendenhall for me, like, I mean, he, he started his head coaching career in what, 2005 with BYU, built them up and then, you know, went through his you know, six odd years at Virginia. So it's, I don't know. I see the benefit there, but it, it's, it's kind of hard to go back to being a coordinator from there. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I, I, I think, I think you're right. You have to have someone in the same way that, you know, Sonny Dykes has used um, Garrett Riley, for example, in, on offense, where even though Dykes is an offensive guy, he gives it to Riley, has him essentially operate it as, you know, as he sees fit, but they have the same ideas. They have the same, you know, thought process uh, and they just let him kind of go uh, exactly. because I mean, Jameson, as we know, if you're a head coach, you can't also be a co- the main coordinator. It just doesn't work. It's too much, too much. Of a you split. can, I, if you're, if you're a special person and Venable is just, it just didn't seem to work for him in that first year. Yeah, no. And I, I don't think he was, specifically calling the defense in the same way you know it, it was really just it was really just roof um but it just it didn't it didn't work whatever was going on did not work defensively in terms of scheme um in terms of in-game adjustment it just it wasn't it, you know i think primarily because it wasn't brent's defense he, he didn't he wasn't able to do the real thing he had to kind of do it like a bit of a half measure but um yeah yeah Ty, your thoughts on roof, defensive, and uh, defense coordinators, all that good stuff. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of unknowns. You know, nobody knows outside of of the staff and the program just how much control certain people had over what things. But the the prevailing narrative, certainly the one that, that we've generally pitched on this, is that roof is more or less a, a figurehead or just a person in, in a seat in Venables is – is the one that's really trying to do all the driving. Uh, I don't like that system, but if if that is what's occurring, and if we're going to stick to that, I think with Bronco Mendenhall, like you guys mentioned, is is sort of the right idea. If we're looking at, because we have to have a court, you know, you have to have an an, an offensive coordinator and a, a defensive coordinator. Uh, I firmly believe that, but. I would like our offensive coordinator uh, specifically with Brent Venables to be that sort of that guy that has the power, you know, someone that maybe we can hang on to for a little bit. If he has to learn with us, he can learn with us. And and we really develop something there. When I look at the defensive coordinator and how we're presuming that the situation is running with Venables, having most control and and just having someone that he's there to, you know, bounce ideas off of maybe, or, or get a different eye on things from the booth. You know, I see some comments are saying, I'd rather have our, our DC down on on the field. I personally, if Venables is the one doing all the play calling and the DC is just kind of like an assistant or something that's just kind of hanging out, yeah, I would rather have him on the sideline too, interacting with the players and stuff while the head coach is, is paying attention to the game. But I really like the idea of, of former head coaches or, or guys trying to develop. I don't, Venables certainly does not have the resume currently, hopefully one day, uh, to run the Nick Saban system where he can just have a ridiculous staff of of uh, analysts analysts can't interact with the players i I believe to to some extent or or the way that 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 bama system is set up i like the idea of a guy being a full-on dc even if he's a a coach that's down and out and uh i had this before jameson even mentioned bronco minute hall 
uh, and we'll say we'll say ninety three percent joking on this one. But Gary Patterson, I this is not the year to have done it. I, I think he's, because <laughs> well, I think he's going to land. A, I think he'll land a head coaching job. Um, coming up in, in this off season, probably, oh, yeah. probably not a great one, but uh, this past year in place of Ted roof, if we had, you know, just slick Gary up in the booth, uh, just someone <laughs> that they can really, but someone who, you know, has a good defensive mind can develop the players, maybe can look at things a different way. I would really like to see us with the defensive coordinator route specifically, as long as we have Venables, I don't care if every two years, it's a new guy. If it's an experienced guy, even if it's a guy that's having a you know rough patch in his career, head coach is a hard, hard job in college at a lot of places. A lot of places you're not set up to succeed and you will fail regardless. Uh, I'd be fine with just a rotating carousel of, of guys that are on their way out from a head coaching job but have a defensive mind you know, and have potential. They're not fired for some egregious region, reason. You know, they're just kind of forced out for performance or whatever else. Um, I, I would be fine with that system. That's actually the system I would prefer at DC. So I don't have a specific name beyond Gary Patterson. That's mostly a joke. Uh, but yeah, Bronco Mendenhall, I think fits my mold of, mm-hmm. of what I was thinking as well. So yeah. I like that as well. I, I think the moral of the story with this is, is you're seeing a bunch of big names where we don't have a vacancy. We're not just looking to fill it. You know, Ted Roof, obviously um, we would want a better option to take some weight off of, Brent Venable's shoulders as a head coach, but we have roof and we're going to keep him no matter what in some sort of capacity. So if we can't find anything better than him, he'd probably be our coach next season. But if we could stumble across somebody in this process, that is an absolute bomb hire, like a really good fit for us. That is that perfect mold that you're talking about, Ty. Uh, we, we will move on from roof as defensive coordinator. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to make a note, by the way, not to go back to offense, but uh, according to GoMeanGreen.com, there might be a pretty solid offensive coaching hire that might have just opened up. Uh, they, they're they reporting, and again, it's GoMeanGreen.com. Don't know if I believe them. Seth Luttrell just got fired. Uh, no! Yeah, really? there's no... Surely not. But if So take it with a grain of salt. But if Seth Luttrell opens up, and I know it's like... Oh yeah, you don't want you know you don't want too many OU guys in there, but that could be that could be a solid analyst uh, pickup if they no way he fire goes him. straight to but there's no analyst, way right right we're gonna hire we're gonna hire a running back as our defensive coordinator no no oh that's why God. I said offense on the offensive side. oh okay I was like that's no. a terrible defensive coordinator <laughs> no no <laughs> that would be funny it's like no he played linebacker in high school he, he could handle it. No, uh, I was just saying, like, if 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 we wanted someone on the offensive end, not bad because. But I'm, also, again, yeah, great, I'm seeing I'm seeing it from salt multiple because... multiple people talking about oh Seth Luttrell out. Well, that's yeah, wild. another OU option. Oh um, yeah, they no, just North made the conference championship, so that's. I don't yeah, know what the they're going to do. You think does North Texas think they're going to do better? Like really? What the hell? Like what are they going to do here? Apparently. The North Texas Eagle just uh, who do you, who do y'all well. think y'all I are? Wish, North Texas. I wish we had Blake on live for this one. No North oh, Texas yeah. hater. Yeah, yeah well, because he he just hates the weird green Texas flag. I think primarily, but um, wow, uh, that's that's wild. So I don't know. I don't I don't hate that idea. You know, he he was at OU at the same time Venables was. So um, wow, that would be. Be a good ad. Oh no! I just 
it's it's a very abrupt, unexpected firing. I, hopefully, this podcast does not age terribly. <laughs> well, at, least we, at, least <laughs> at least we properly hedged. At least we properly hedged. Yeah, now that we've added that disclaimer in. There's been times where I say something on a podcast and I'm like, and then I go to the next morning and I see some kind of like thing that completely just negates everything I said. I'm like, are you kidding me? I sound so stupid to all the listeners. People listening to this on their commute tomorrow to work tomorrow morning, hearing Bobby go, I think we should, he's a great guy. We should hire him. Hopefully that does not age poorly. <laughs> oh man. Jeez. <laughs> oh god. Oh no, I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah, god. when you have an Before unexpected fire or something. Oh god. Great scene. Uh yeah, no, hypothetically if nothing bad happened, it might not be a bad idea. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Oh no. Well, that's oh, Mickey Joseph. Time to wrap Mickey up Joseph. What is Mickey Joseph, wide receiver coach. Hey, wow, what a hey, hire that would be. Hey, Bobby, plug all of our listeners right now. Yes. Something big we got going. Yes, absolutely. We've got a massive deal for y'all. It's bowl season. We're pumped up about it. So we are starting our own bowl mania group. We've had this every year, but this time, this time we're playing for some cash here. Oh, wow. uh, so, yeah, for real this time. We're uh, $150 in prizes we're giving out. Uh, starting with, if you win the damn thing, if you can beat me, Blake, Ty, and Jameson, if you can top that table, you get 100 bucks. Second place, 35 And then, you know, third, that's that's a solid 15 So not, not, not too bad. Not too bad. But um, if you want to sign up, we will send the link right here. Just make sure you subscribe to the Schooner Pod. Uh, we will be checking. Is, Sus- we will be winners, checking if they're not a, if they're not a subscriber with that timestamp of when you did it. It was if it wasn't just like oh I won I subscribed. No, it you need to have subscribed before your before your bracket goes live. Yes. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah, you gotta let us know. So uh, we'll send that uh, in the comments right now, and we'll have it in the description, I believe. So yeah, I. I'm not sure how we're going to police that, but we'll try our best. I, I will police it. I, I will be a part. I will be a part. I will check the receipts. So if, you, if yes. you're not already subscribed already, go subscribe. Find that le- link in the description for our Bowl Mania. If you're listening right now on you know podcast form, um, go check our Twitter account. We'll be, we'll be tweeting it out. But if you click that link from the Twitter account and go in and, you, um, and you're a part of this, you better be subscribed. I'm checking the receipts. Yeah, DM us for the password, and we'll let you know. But uh, yeah, also click the link and uh, give us, you know, give us a subscribe because otherwise, you ain't getting no money. You got to subscribe to the Schooner Pod. So uh, we're doing it against the spread as we do with the weekend spread. So it'll be a little tricky, a little tougher, but it'll be pretty good. So uh, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it. This this challenge is always a little spicy, and you know now Jameson can't. Can't sit on his laurels of uh, well, you're good at spreading. I love it, so. the, I love the confidence picks. I love holding the big old confidence like number like forty for right at the end. I put all my marbles down so I can hedge and pick like Texas to win the Sugar Bowl in those years. That that was one of the I, <laughs> that was one of the luckiest moves ever because we were all I mean you, you were dead in the water and you just got away with that. But um, yeah, check out that link right there uh, in the comments and the description and uh, join the pod, join, join the pod pick group. It'll be pretty fun. So um, yeah. 
All right. Any business we want to uh, kind of finish before we uh, end the episode? Jameson? Go Frogs. Go Frogs. Yeah. If y'all, hey, we have a really great uh, reaction video to the CFP Final Four uh, on our YouTube. Make sure to check that out. It's uh, pretty good. Bowden Blake gets a moment. It's awesome. Ty, any, any final thoughts? Sync uh, Army. Yes. That's the other thing, too. Coming up on Wednesday, Army-Navy preview. Me and Ty, it's going to be great. It's an annual tradition of ours, and I'm very pumped about that. So looking forward to that as well. All right, folks. For me, Jameson, Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back at it on Wednesday as we break down Army-Navy. But until then, have a great one. and Stay cheesy. Stay cheesy, folks. I'm going to wake up.